are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to an October 17th Monday episode of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your co-host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com and former Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian, and I am joined by my co-host, Dane Carbaugh, from NBC's Pro Basketball Talk and the host of The Rewind. Welcome back, everyone. Dane, how are you? Doing pretty well. I didn't die in the megastorm, which turned out to be literally the kind of rain that you see, like sheet rain you see in movie, like on, uh, on a bad movie set. So uh, that was all we got up here in Seattle. So we're, we're just fine. I'm happy to be alive watching Blazer basketball. Yeah. What a time to be alive in the preseason. Uh, in the preseason. Yeah, and unfortunately, there there were some things that went down um, this weekend. Uh, the storm, obviously, was pretty minuscule in, in impact, but uh, the Blazers did make a roster change. I did one quick reaction mm-hmm. to it. Uh, they, they waved Luis Montero. The uh, battle for the... 15th roster spot seems to be pretty much whittled down now to Grant Jarrett, Greg Steensma, Tim Quarterman. But, um, you know, I don't know if we saw any uh, a- anybody really get ahead in that regard, in that battle uh, tonight. Or we're, we're recording this on a Sunday, but this is the Monday podcast. Uh, the Blazers lost their second preseason game in a row, losing to the Denver Nuggets 106-97. Uh, CJ McCollum had another solid game. Damian Lillard only played one half of basketball and was benched uh, as they went with a more uh, a lineup that we're probably going to see more in the you know second quarter of games, more their second unit with CJ McCollum and Evan Turner, which I thought was actually a really good idea. Um, but they unfortunately were not able to make uh, make the most of uh, a good shooting night for Alfred Camino. And uh, they lose. Uh, did you see anything tonight? Oh, another another note, uh, just a clerical note. Uh, no Myers Leonard tonight uh, for the Blazers either. Yeah, Myers got scratched, I think, to, to a, a tweak in his back. But, uh, yeah, it looked good. I'm glad that CJ obviously had the kind of night that he had for the second preseason game in a row. It looked like he found his rhythm, which he desperately needed. Uh, we did see a lot of the lineups. Uh, that we think we're going to see there in the second quarter. I don't know what you want to call it. Maybe, I guess, a, a bench lineup. Of course, it still involves CJ running the point a lot or playing the two. But I think what that tells us is that we know that Terry Stotts is whittling down his choices, and we are going to probably see Mo Harkless as the starting small forward. Do you think that's correct? I think you're right. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I think so I think you're I'm, definitely right. I'm, there. I'm glad to see that. Yeah, I I, yeah. I think he he's getting near that point where he's going with Harkless as the as the you know starting small forward. He started him again tonight. They went with the uh, Aminu Harkless Dame McCollum Plumley lineup, um, and I think yeah, the fact that he started the second half with Turner and CJ in the backcourt together, something that I think we're going to see a lot. I think is a sign that I think he just wants those guys to get more reps together, more get more comfortable with each other. I think, you know, we saw that chemistry develop a little bit tonight. Um, you know, they they got together for that one really great fast break. Obviously, that was kind of the only highlight that they had. But I feel like 
you know, we'll start to see more of those the more time that they spend with each other. And I think um, Stotts rightly, you know, was like, you know, Lillard didn't have a good night either. You know, it was one for 10, four turnovers, four points. But you know what you're going to get from Damian Lillard and throwing right. him out there against the Nuggets is, you know, it, it's whatever when the Nuggets aren't even putting out their best point guard. You know, they didn't play Moody A tonight. So, you know, you, you just kind of have to look at that and be like, okay, what's going to be the best for our team? And I think even though the Blazers lost, I think they made the most of uh, the situation and got more. I think it was very important that they got more reps with Turner and McCollum together. I agree. I think that's it's nice, but I will say that there's obviously something that uh, Casey and Job pointed out at the Rip City Report on Friday, but it's obvious Evan Turner is still learning the offense just on a procedural basis. So it's, it's nice that he's going to be playing with CJ a lot and with Alan Crabb a lot to sort of have some of that firepower so we can get, get those reps in and still do what he needs to do to create. But yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to, to be at this point with the, in the preseason with only two games left to play to be able to see, okay, maybe we're going to understand what these lineups are going to look like for the first, you know, at least for the first quarter of the season. I kind of gave my take uh, yesterday. Who do you think has the inside track for that 15th man spot now that they've waived Montero? It's hard to tell. I'm of two minds about it, right? One is that I think it's going to be a big man. I don't think it's going to be Tim Quarterman. Because um, if it was going to be Tim Quarterman, it might as well be Luis Montero, to be perfectly honest. You have Shabazz Napier. That sort of duplicates at Luis Montero. You've put some of that uh, equity mm-hmm. into, and you would keep him. I think they cut Luis Montero because they think he's maybe the best player they don't need, so he can start doing workouts for teams right now. Uh, that, that's my okay. guess. I would say that it's probably going to be a big man. That means it's going to be Grant Jarrett or Greg Steamsma. And it's tough because Grant Jarrett seems to be played more and win certain lineups. But does that mean that they want to take a longer look at him because they're leaning towards Steamsma? Or is it because he's the guy and they want to get him situated? I think it's probably the other way around. I think that they probably want Steamsma just because Grant Jarrett has played. If you are going to go with that big man in that 15th spot and you're going to have that... um, additional you know, backup to the backup to the backup in that power forward center spot. Steamsma has at least played more under control, and Grant Jarrett's looked a little wild. So I would say at this point in time, Steamsma is my guess with two games to go. Do you, okay, another question. Okay. If they go with Steamsma, what do you think that says about Festus Azili? You don't think it says anything about the health of his knees, that they need to get another center in there when they already have – a bunch of big men. Nothing I'm going to panic about when it's the middle of October. Right. Okay. You know, I really, I don't think it says anything that's if, if yeah, adding a 15th player that's Greg's Steamsma doesn't say anything about Festus Azili because we're not already talking about, we're not hearing reports, although it would, would probably wouldn't come out of, you know, Neil O'Shea's tight front office anyways, but we're not hearing a report about any other kind of trade. Right needed to stop that gap. And that's if, if Azili was going to be out for a significant amount of time and they're really worried about it, they wouldn't stop gapping with Greg Steamsma. We're talking about backup, 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 emergency, you know, band-aids for two weeks, three weeks while we put together a deal kind of mm-hmm. player. I don't see that happening. No, so okay. I, I don't read into it okay. that much. No, totally. I, yeah, no, just a, a question I thought that uh, popped into my head. Yeah. I, yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, no, Steve's has been, you know, he does have more of a track record, 
you know, it, you do, you don't need to find out as much. I think I kind of agree with you there mm-hmm. where like Jarrett has been getting a lot of situational play um, and, you know, got earlier minutes before Steamsma and things like that. And uh, I think it could just be, they want to see what's there. Whereas like with Steamsma, I think it's pretty, they pretty much know, you know, what he's going to give. Yeah, them. I think, well, Jared is a developmental big, and the Blazers already have enough of those. And Steam's Muzz, more like you're talking about, they already know what he is. And so they can go ahead and pull the trigger and say he's got to be the guy. So that, that's what it's looking like for me. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, and, and that's totally I, – I think that's a, definitely a, a valid uh, viewpoint from looking at the, the Steam's Muzz, Jared situation. Uh, you know, I think – I definitely didn't think Steamsman would be on this team, but like, I mean, but no. he has, you know, he has played and it just, you know, yeah, the NBA is weird sometimes and, you know, maybe Steamsman makes it. And also, you know, one thing that has um, been some, a talking point about the Blazers before the season started and in the summer was, you know, they didn't really have that um, old vet that was kind of a hallmark of Neil Olshay rosters in his tenure, you know, like with Earl Watson and Jared Jeffries and Pavlovich. And, you know, he would always have, he would always have these guys that were like veterans, you know, on the team that, you know, had been around for a while. And, you know, other than Ed Davis, they don't really have guys like that. I guess Turner has been around the league for a minute, but, you know, Steamsma would be their oldest player if they kept him at like, at like 31 or something. So, you know, yeah, exactly. That's how young this Blazers team is. It's pretty ridiculous. But Steve's Mill would be their oldest guy. So he would bring some modicum of, like, vet vetiness as well that they that they yeah. kind of lack. Yeah, that, the thought did pop in my head the other day that both Damian and Myers, obviously being dra- taken in the same draft, are now the longest tenured Blazers on the team. And that kind of blows me away. Yeah, and they were, I think they were last year as well. Yeah. So yeah, no, the, the, yeah, the Blazers team is is a bunch of young guys, um, and I, I don't know if that's a you know a symptom of like where the league is going that like Portland's oldest player is going to be thirty one, like that's pretty wild to think that the I think it's there's these sex of how the how teams work right, and if you're in that upper tier with you know, the Golden States and the Clippers and stuff, you're adding on that veteran bench talent. I mean, the Clippers obviously take it to this extreme that's kind of hilarious and, and up for skewering. But the Clip, you know, the, the Warriors obviously have a lot of guys on the, you know, they have uh, Varishow and uh, Iguodala and stuff. <clears throat> Those are guys who are, you know, real vets, almost guys who are star players from what feels like a different era right. now, playing on their bench. And so if you're in the next tier down or two tiers down from that, however you want to grade the Blazers, it, it does seem like those those teams are a lot younger. They're not, you know, uh, and, and you're right. You have teams like the Sixers who, I mean, who's their oldest player now? Uh, Gerald yeah, Henderson? probably. You know, they, yeah. have, they have one veteran player kind of. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it definitely – uh, goes in chunks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, the Nuggets' oldest player is Mike Miller. I'm pretty sure. Which I don't know how he's still in the league. But yeah, yeah I remember watching Mike Miller when I was in high school. Yeah, right? like he was like really like a baller in like the in like the early 2000s. Yeah, and yeah. he's still. I mean, good good, <laughs> good for him to still be on a team. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no the the Nuggets win tonight. Um, 
not a whole lot to say on their end. They have a bunch of pretty good players. Uh, their big men are, you know, really strong. A lot of, you know, people think that they're, you know, one of the young, you know, up-and-coming teams to watch for. I think their big man tandem is really good. Uh, and uh, they didn't play Moutier tonight. They went with Jameer Nelson to start today at point guard, so there's nothing really there. Jamal Murray played 34 minutes, though. Uh, Love Jamal yeah, Murray. Jamal Murray's uh, dope. Uh, he had a pretty solid game, was a plus 21 tonight for the Nuggets. But um, And uh, Zach Lowe... Uh, for like the third year in a row, wrote about the Kenneth Reed trade rumors. Um, I don't know. Don't know <laughs> if he's going to get traded because it seems like um, nobody wants players like him. But like, uh, so I guess we'll see on there. Uh, I don't know if there, anything Nuggets wise that that struck you tonight in watching the game. Not particularly. I, th- I mean, I, in preseason, in terms of context, you know, uh, Hernan Gomez had a good game in terms of. It seemed like he was moving around and he was kind of everywhere there for the start of the fourth quarter or something like that. When the Blazers tried to make that charge back, he was part of that resistance for the Nuggets. That was that's fun to see. Obviously, Jokic and Nurkic play together is uh, fun. Will Barton always um, good to see his continued progression. Uh, you know, Portland's chosen son, but you know, for me to be perfectly honest, the the best thing about seeing the Nuggets tonight uh, really was. <laughs> As kind of embarrassing as it is, uh, Jamal Murray. I mean, we saw, I, you you probably saw him at Hoop Summit a couple of years ago before he went oh, yeah. on to to play at um, Kentucky, and uh, he's just a blast. He's a blast, and he's he's big, and he was aggressive, and he was getting in passing lanes against Blazers starters tonight. That was really important. Um, you know, made made some rookie mistakes, but I like that guy's game a lot, and you know, good for good for the Nuggets. For yeah, I mean, he can shoot, and I think he's kind of like uh, it's almost like. They have a potential there with him and Moutier to do a Blazers type backcourt, but mm, but with yeah. guys who are a little bit like you know Moutier's bigger than you know CJ and Dame, you know like the and and mm-hmm. and Murray kind of has the range, so it's like one of them mm-hmm. can provide a little bit more space than the other one, but the other one's a little bit better finisher slash defender, so it's like they can kind of, I can see them being able to like interchange off the one and two. You know, I, yeah. I don't think that the Nuggets are ready this year, but I think like with the guards and with the big men, you know, they could be fun very, very yeah. soon. I think, I think they could be fun pretty soon. The biggest thing for me out of Blazers land was uh, other than, you know, CJ having a good game was it's fun to see Vonley play again and play so physical. Still, still some, uh, you know, issues sort of holding the ball, spatial uh-huh. awareness issues, I think. Um, but he was really physical both on the offensive side of the ball, especially when he he's re- getting really good, it seems, at recognizing that um, the the mismatch on mm-hmm. offense and just being like, screw this, I'm bigger than this yeah. guy. And then using his using his lower body to move somebody instead of his upper body, which is something that young players do. They end up using their upper body, thinking they can push somebody out of the way. That's how you get offensive fouls. Lower body, well, your whole body just moved back, so you know they're not going to call that. That's what that's what Shaq did his entire career. Um, so it, it was fun to see that on the offensive side of the floor, on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, a lot of uh, you could see. I'll call it procedural, but in terms of you could see him running through the things he goes through in practice, like hands up, uh-huh. ah, all of a sudden, hands up, you know, and uh, jumping straight up and down. You can see him working through all those kinds of things. Um, I think he's still. How many fouls did he still end up? He still ended up with four personal fouls, which is 
not great. A couple of those, I don't, you know, he's doing the right thing, just didn't execute exactly right. But, uh, yeah, I, I liked what I saw out of him tonight, again, for the probably what, the third preseason game in a row. Yeah. I hate the hair, though. Still yeah, hate the hair. Um, I'm really hoping that he goes back to the fro. Uh, the, uh, the Braves, they just look so, they just look silly, man. Yeah, well. There's something about there's something about that combination with the headband and like maybe he just doesn't have like the right shaped face for it. Or I don't. Something, I, something about you the know brains. what though? Uh, I like the way he's playing with the hair. You know, like look yeah, good, sure. feel good. So if he feels like he's if he feels like he looks good, <laughs> he's playing well. I mean, I, I, this is definitely the most consistent, consistently aggressive. You know, like obviously he got minutes last year and started a bunch of games, but. He wasn't making an impact on the game the way he is right now. Uh, he finished tonight with six points, mm-hmm. ten rebounds yeah. in nineteen minutes, three of six from the field, uh, four fouls, three turnovers. But he's really physical. Again, I think you know he's finishing really well. I think he's really doing a really good job of mm-hmm. finishing plays. I think last year, you know, they would get him the ball a couple times in, in situations, and he'd make these great moves, and he'd be like, "Oh my gosh, like this is what you know you you can't wait to see. This is what you would hope you would see." in a guy that you traded Nicholas Batum for, basically, you know, because they didn't keep Henderson. They basically did that trade sure. just for Vonley. And so you, you want to see him making the he, – he seems like he's going to make that move and show those signs that he's really coming into his own, and then he misses the layup. And, you know, like and, yeah. and, like that was a lot uh, – that happened a lot last year. And so I, I think it, it was really important for – it's really important for him to finish plays, and I think he's doing that in this preseason – uh, and uh, definitely got a lot more minutes tonight because uh, Myers Leonard did not play. But um, I really do think it's a great thing to see, though, and is really encouraging, again, that no matter how many minutes he's getting, I feel like no matter what, Vonley has made the most of them in the preseason. And that, to me, has been yeah. the most – that's been, I think, the biggest win so far of the preseason – because I feel like everything yeah. else, you know, Aminu shot well from three tonight, but he had games like that last year. So, um, you know, he hit there. And I, I really think, you know, they're still looking for that cohesion. And you kind of knew everything else. But I think Vonley has been the most, like, the best positive that, you know, maybe people were, they weren't expecting. And I, I don't think we were expecting Vonley to, Vonley playing well to be a kind of a story of the preseason. Yeah. And I think we've talked about before this week or the last two weeks about how in terms of preseason, you can only take certain things away as, as, as being in context of the preseason. And so Vonley's continued like mini progression is something you can take as a positive. You could feel pretty comfortable saying, Oh, it's pretty obvious. He's made these changes that, that I'm, I'm okay saying he's definitely gotten a little bit better in this area, this area, in this area. And I'm okay saying that's a real thing and not just, oh, it's just preseason. Right. I don't, I, yeah. And I don't think it, it in any way should make, I don't think he's going to jump anybody in the rotation. Like, I don't think he plays over Myers Leonard, no. but I think that um, it's, it's really good for the Blazers moving forward that if one of the guys in the front court gets hurt, you can trust Vonley a little bit more because you've seen that he's really, that those, things that he's worked on, the things that he's tried to improve on are actually improving. And yeah, I, I will say there's one thing that I brought up last podcast and that's that if Myers isn't strong enough to defend well enough and he racks up fouls quickly, that may help Vonley 
in a roundabout way get minutes. Does that yeah. make sense? No. If, 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 that, that, seem, that seems a little wait, possible. Especially in coming back from the shoulder injury, if he's not 100% mm-hmm. in defending guys on the block or, you know, just being a solid physical defender. Good. Just, just until he gets some of that mu- muscle Right, mass exactly. Back. And he has to, you know, get – he has to lift too and he like just got cleared to be physically ready. So, you know, he's probably going to find out how some other things may hurt or something at, that he, that he didn't know were hurting that when he wasn't playing five on five. So, um, right. you know, yeah. So, I mean, Vonley playing well is a good thing for the Blazers because it really does, it gives Terry Stotts more options, more guys to go to. And, um, it gives the Blazers another dimension as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have a question okay. for you. How are you feeling about, the broadcasting tandem now that we're five games in i think they're okay i think they're i think they're finding i think they're i think i think calabro is great i think i think he's really smart and uh is you know just really passionate about the game i think he's learning about the team right now i think Mm -hmm. i think both guys are both learning about the team uh in a way that you know mike and mike just had such a like a you know they just a real, a real depth, depth of knowledge, of knowledge yeah. a real understanding about the whole team. Um, I think they're still learning how the whole team plays because they just haven't been around them. Um, and I think too, from an analysis standpoint, I think you know, I think uh, they're learning the game. You know, like they're learning the NBA game. Like I feel like you know, Lamar Hurd came from college, and it's like you can't just focus on college and Oregon and you know, Pac-12 basketball. And come in be and be expected to be uh, an expert on the NBA level when you haven't been, you know. And so, like, I think that's going to come as more games. I think they will be really good. I just think right now they're like still kind of learning the lay of the land as far as the Blazers are concerned. Um, and then, from like just an analysis point of view, I think for you know Lamar Hurd's perspective, it's like he just you know he's got to call more games, and I think by that he will just slowly become a battle, a better analyst. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think yeah, that, I, I think the fair. skills are there. I just think he hasn't been covering the league long enough. And once he is like covering the league for like a couple of games, I think he'll start to, you know, just have a better grasp of things. And then I think Calabro just being around the team a little bit more, will know more about the Blazers. Um, I think he, you know, he's obviously loves the game, you know, and big hoops fan and watches much NBA, but you know, it's different when you're doing the team uh, every game, you know, what do you think? Yeah, what do you think? Uh, I think that's a, a really fair assessment. If you're being honest about what it takes to do that job. I think I've been impressed in terms of uh, some technical aspects of the game, just from Lamar Hurd. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That he's able to, he's able to get into, um, you know, the sort of like uh, highlights between, um, free throws, things like that, where it's like that's a technical thing that, oh, good, he's he's not, you know, even though he's coming from Pac-12 Network and he's done all this college basketball, it can be different. And being able to do that next to a new partner can be really hard. I think Calabro is carrying him a little bit at this point in time. Um, although I, I would say that, and it seems to me that from a, um, if I'm listening to it as a fan, I would say that, yeah, Calabro is definitely – they're both still learning about the team. That's an excellent point to um, to make because they – they 
there would be easy anecdotes for the mics to insert into every mm-hmm. little portion of these conversations that they're having during this game, and they just don't know them yet. Um, right. And the other portion of that is that so I so I think Calabro is maybe carrying Lamar a little bit because I, I hear him talking more, like, it, and I think my brain is either tuning out the color a little bit or or there's not enough of it because I kind of only hear Calabro doing the 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 play by play over the course of the game and I, I I'm not hearing enough of Lamar Hurd during the I game. think that's Calabro's style though. I think Calabro is very yeah. much like a very old school, you know, type of guy almost in the sense in almost in the way that kind of Brian Wheeler is where he's a very mm-hmm. strong personality that very much carries mm-hmm. a broadcast. And so I think that right. Lamar Hurd you know, Lamar Hurd is definitely more low-key than Mike Rice. Um, and he makes, uh, like you said, he makes very good technical um, pointers and call-outs during the game about things that are happening. I think uh, as he gets to know the team and the league better, that's going to be even better. You know what I'm saying? Like once he mm-hmm. starts to learn things that like certain teams do and just by watching them and being around them and covering games. So um, I think mm-hmm. the I think the all the the framework is there for a really good broadcast crew, um, but you know yeah. maybe they and maybe that's something that they just work on over the season. You know maybe Hurd just feels more comfortable, kind of injecting himself into the broadcast at times. Um, but I think I do think that Calab- Calabro's style is very much um, kind of strong. But uh, that's not to say yeah. that he hasn't worked with like, you know, he's worked with Huey Brown and stuff like that. Like he knows how to work with analysts who like to talk. Well, I think, and that, that, that's a good point about Calabro. I do think that he is that kind of guy. And as the season goes on and they work more games together and Lamar Hurd learns more about the team, then he'll have a literal better stuff to sort of inject because what I've, what I've heard so far and I think this is just being transparent with Blazers fans listening to this podcast. I think they would probably agree. I hear Heard forcing it a little bit in terms of trying to come up with catchphrases. You know, tonight before he went to break, he tried to call Novanley Mr. Fourth Quarter, and then he referred to him as Mr. Fourth Quarter in the next reference. It's like, you know, something about nine-piece chicken nuggets in the first preseason game. It's like, dude, maybe calm. And this is, I mean, and I'm trying to be respectful as another industry professional, but... I, I feel that force a little bit when I'm listening to it, and I'd like to hear it be more natural. And I think that'll happen over time. Yeah, I, I, I think this this is the thing. I feel like this happens in entertainment. I feel like um, I listen to Dan Lebertard, and one of the things that he brings up whenever mm-hmm. they start a new show or they were going in a new time slot, which they were a lot, it's like it's going to take a while for people to get used to you, and it's going to take for you to get used to the show. Like they would say mm-hmm. like you can't really judge us like he would say like please don't judge a show like give us like a couple of months and like this is the first mm-hmm. month of the Blazers new broadcast crew so i mm-hmm. think it's going to take them some time i don't think that we can really judge them yet uh i i really think that we have to give them ample time to get used to the team get used to the nba and um you know Get, get used, used to, to each other. other. Yeah, I mean they've called games before, mm-hmm. but this they're this is different. You know, this is eighty two games. Mm-hmm. They're traveling with each other the whole time. All that stuff. So I think all that's going to come. I think they have the framework to make a really good, great broadcast. Um, and I think um, I'm excited for when like the games matter. You know how mm-hmm. how, yeah. how how they react and 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 how they approach things. Yeah, yeah. I certainly wish them all the best, and hopefully. 
hopefully the the season goes yeah. well for him. Okay. Um, well, uh, I think that's it for for this edition of Locked On Blazers. Um, Dane, uh, anything else you wanted to call out? No. Uh, you guys can catch my work starting uh, the first season, no, the first, the second week of the regular season over at Blazers Edge. I will have my Q&A videos will be back for you Blazers fans. And, of course, you can catch all of my work over at NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. Yeah, and also uh, we're down to do a mailbag episode of sorts so if you want to email if you want if you have any questions uh please email us at lockedonblazers at gmail.com or you can tweet at lockedonblazers or at dane or myself you can do it at me at eric underscore gunderson and you can do uh dane before before we do another uh podcast i will send out a, a tweet that night and you guys can respond directly to me and ask some questions and we'll, we'll have them right here on the podcast. Yes, we will read your questions and we will answer them on the podcast. We'd love to do that. Um, yeah, Blazers have two more preseason games this week before they play the uh, Utah Jazz in uh, eight days. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty crazy. Going up yeah, on a Tuesday. Yeah, going up on a Tuesday, the NBA season. Uh, so we're getting close here. So, Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, if you're listening to us on FanRag Sports, please subscribe to the podcast. Um, on you can find us on Google Play, iTunes, Audio Boom, uh, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn FM. So yeah, look for Locked On Blazers. Subscribe, leave us a five star review, and we will catch you uh, later on in the week as the preseason continues and we get closer to the regular season.